0: It's the Pete Callener Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callener is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete.
1: What's happening? What's going on? Welcome to the program. It is Friday, September 25th. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for listening to the show, which is made possible by patrons such as Jason, Brent, Keith, and... Phil, Juanita, and Brian, and Nothanos, and Ed, and Daniel, Gary, and let's see, Cheryl, Sherry, and Peggy. Thanks so much for all of the support. Couldn't do the show without you. Um, The outcome of our state legislative races, uh, not just here in North Carolina, actually, but everywhere, going to have an impact for at least a decade to come. So this election cycle is going to have an impact for a decade Every 10 years, right, the U.S. takes a census count of all of the citizens, and then it determines the number of congressional seats that a state gets. So North Carolina currently has 13, but we are expected to pick up another seat due to the population growth. Uh, So giving us a 14th seat, and from what I have seen, it would be somewhere down east, I think is where they're thinking that the, well, the Democrats are thinking that they would like to draw it down east. So who draws those districts? Well, that's the job for the state legislature in North Carolina, which, by the way, also draw their own district. These state lawmakers draw their own district lines. So this usually locks in partisan control of whatever party's in charge for at least a decade. They will draw themselves districts that are... Uh, you know, most advantageous to preserving a majority, uh, at least until a time comes where they are unable to do so, which is basically what happened to Democrats. They controlled the state. They drew the lines for over a century. And finally, by 2010, uh, there were enough scandals. People had grown disaffected with the uh, with the democratic machine and its leadership Uh, also you had a lot of people that were uh, becoming republican voting republican and so they decided to uh, throw out the democrats from power republicans took over in 2010 they drew the lines and gave themselves you know uh, a solid majority super majority actually in uh, the early years but now got a new census 2020 new census democrats want to return to power uh, after being out in the you know the minority wilderness here for just 10 years, I, I do find this interesting like they can't even they can't even manage you know to be in the minority for for one cycle. <laughs> They've been in charge for over a century. but to keep the legislature, the Republicans are going to need to keep nearly every seat that it currently holds even as incumbents retire and there have been quite a few. Uh, one example is in State House District 118 in Western North Carolina. We're going to talk with the candidate, the Republican candidate, in that race uh, in a minute. First, let me tell you about the best equipment rental store for the second straight year, as voted by the readers of the Mountain Express. It is General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. The Husqvarna Fall Sale is actually going on right now at General Equipment Rental, who, by the way, is your official licensed Husqvarna sales and service dealer so uh, go to generalrents.com check out all of the chainsaws and the blowers and the saws and the trimmers and the mowers all of it Um, I didn't even need I I rent an apartment right now Um, I will need a mower soon um, when we buy our house but uh, right now I don't even have a need for a mower but I was looking (laughs) I was looking at this uh, robotic auto mower this thing is way cool. Okay, I spent too much time looking at this thing. It's the Husqvarna Auto Mower. It's like a Roomba, but for the yard. It it runs silently. You can have it. You program this thing. It goes day and night, and it just kind of runs all over the yard, and it keeps the grass evenly cut all the time, and it even takes it itself back to its uh, station when it needs to, to recharge. And then you can pair this thing up with uh, with an app called the Auto Mower Connect app, and it literally maps your yard. And then you can check in with this thing at any time of the day. You can like just pull it up on your app and see where it is. Uh, the machine does have an anti-theft technology, so it's basically useless if somebody tries to take it off the property. It just like shuts down, and then it has a GPS locator so you can go find the thief. All right, so maybe maybe that's not what you're looking for. Maybe you want something a little bigger. General Equipment Rental has incredible deals right now on riding mowers and the pro-grade stand-on mowers as well. Go to generalrents.com, and you can also get pre-qualified for 0% APR for up to 48 months, 0% interest for four years. It's a great sale, guys. Great deal going on. Get ahead of this before fall is here. Uh, If you've been thinking about replacing some equipment, now is the time to do so. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. These are great people and they support the show. Please support them. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. GeneralRents.com. And think outside your toolbox. After four terms in the North Carolina House of Representatives, incumbent Representative Michelle Presnell announced that she would not seek a fifth term. Republican Haywood County Commissioner Mark Pless is running for the District 118 seat uh, that covers Haywood, Madison and Yancey counties. He is an insurance salesman and a former paramedic, and he faces Democrat Alan Jones, and he joins me now. Welcome to the program, uh, Commissioner Pless. How are you?
0: Thank you. you doing great. How about yourself?
1: I am doing all right. I'm doing well. So um, for, uh, I guess first off, why why the state legislature? You're a county commissioner. Uh, why do you want to make the jump from the county level up to the state level?
0: You know, I've enjoyed being a county commissioner, and uh, now the opportunity has come up that I can actually go to Raleigh and fight for the people. I have enjoyed being able to do that in Haywood County. And now that this opportunity has arisen, then I think it'll be a lot better. And I think I can get a lot more people, a lot, a lot more stuff done for the people here in Western North Carolina.
1: So having solved all the problems in Haywood County, right? You're,
0: you're... Well, I, I wish. I mean, it would be really nice. Unfortunately, I learned a lot of government in the last little while. And, and you know, there's not anything I don't think that gets completely solved. You just kind of change it around and try to, to help people the best you can. So
1: there are a lot of issues. I've read a, a bunch of... Um, Candidate questionnaires that you've submitted that you've answered. Um, And so there are a lot of specific issues, but I'd like to start sort of at a a higher level, sort of a philosophical level. So what do you view the primary role of the state government to be uh, in relationship to its citizens?
0: You know, I think first and foremost, what we have to do as, as a representative is make sure that any ideas, any proposals, anything that comes before the legislature to create rules, laws or any funding you need to make sure it goes by the Constitution. That's kind of our groundwork of, of where the rights of the people begin. So I think we need to look at the rights more than is being done now. A lot of times things sound really good on paper and a lot of times they look really good, but at the end of the day, you're taking something away from somebody and I don't think sometimes that that is taken as seriously as it needs to be taken.
1: Um, well, so are, do you have any examples of, of how this has manifested itself in various pieces of legislation?
0: Well, it's kind of like there were some bills that were introduced and they didn't get anywhere this time. But like House Bill uh, 454 was introduced into North Carolina in in March of 2019. And that was more commonly referred to as red flag laws. That was introduced to try to give the ability of a sheriff to take away someone's weapons. Uh, If you have a gun and someone in your household doesn't even have to be a family member wants to anonymously say that you're a threat to someone, they can come and take away your rights. They can take your Second Amendment rights, and they never have to tell who did it. They never have to mention it. You don't get your fair day in court. We're guaranteed a speedy trial in the Constitution, but they're going to bypass every bit of that under the pretense that something tragic could happen. And I understand tragedies happen, much like motor vehicle accidents. You could have multiple people killed in a motor vehicle accident. There have been numerous guns that have been used to take Uh, quite a few lives at particular events we can't stop everything from happening but we definitely don't need to stop it by trying to take away the rights that were given to us by our forefathers
1: it's yeah the red flag law i like the concept you know it's one of those things where it's like i really i like the idea that it's going for because how many you know how many times after the mass shootings do we hear something like oh there were all these red flags like like people knew that this person was off a little bit they that you know when when people ask, "Oh, could you believe that this person did it?" usually the answer is, "Oh yeah, I totally believe it." Right? There were all these signs that got missed. So I, I like the concept, but it's it, the application is the pro, is the problem for me. You know, how do you get there? How do you protect the people's rights but also try to figure out a way to to prevent that kind of thing from happening? Do you do you think that there is a way to get there or is it just unworkable in any fashion?
0: I think there's a way to get there, but it starts with with actually enforcing the rules and the laws that we have in place currently. I followed the school shooting that they had in Florida Mm -hmm. where the young man went in and he killed several people. The biggest failure on that, his mother was trying to get him help. Local law enforcement was trying to get him help. The people that were treating him for his mental disorders would not put him down as a danger. They would not if they had put him in the database as a danger, he would have never been able to acquire those weapons legally. doesn't keep you from being able to get them on the street, but he could not have done what he done had they have done their job. And I think we need some enforcement on that. When we find out that someone was a threat, we need to go after the people that picked up on it, noted it and didn't do anything about it, because that's the real offender here. People are going to have issues. Things are going to come about in life that we have to deal with. But we have laws and rules in place now. Just do what we're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, there was another case like that. Um, was it a guy got discharged out of the Air Force for domestic abuse, and it should have gone into a database, and it never, it just never was. Then we found out there were actually you know tons of these people that had been discharged, and they had never been reported into databases. And so you have all these people that are out there, and they purchase guns legally because the system wasn't wasn't uh, uh, followed, basically. The rules weren't followed.
0: Correct. And, you know, when it comes down to it, if the people that are evaluating all of these folks are more concerned about the life and the stigma that's going to follow this person than they are about protecting society, they should be ashamed of themselves. They are there. They are our first line of defense. I've been around law enforcement, EMS, fire my whole life. You see people all the time that have emotional moments. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between an emotional moment when things are not going well and they react very poorly to some of these things that are happening that are allowing these mass shootings and these executions because those were not a sudden upset moment. Those were something that they knew about for years before it happened.
1: Yeah, they weren't crimes of passion. They were they were planned out methodical acts of evil and so yeah it's it's one of the problems i always say this after any kind of mass shooting it's one of the the problems that you know sane rational good people have in trying to understand something that's just not understandable because it is an act of irrationality it is an act of evil and we're trying to make sense of something that we literally just cannot comprehend um and then trying to you know figure out a way to to prevent that from happening and i don't know I don't know if you can prevent them all. I know you can't prevent them all. So,
0: well, I think if you enforce what's there and and another example that we're living with right now in Western North Carolina is all of these riots that are happening in Asheville. Mm -hmm. Um, In the General Assembly, they have passed a law, 14288, and it says that if you're rioting and you cause serious property damage or you're doing it with a weapon, it's a class I felony. The problem is, is these people aren't doing anything, or I'm sorry, a class H felony. These people aren't doing anything to enforce it. All of these folks that did the destruction to downtown Asheville had the Democratic District Attorney had followed the law and charged these people whenever they found who did it. It would send a message to everyone. We're not going to tolerate this. We don't need new laws on the books to try to, do, to, to control society or to try to, to stop a lot of these things that are happening. We just need to enforce what we already have in place. I doubt very seriously in the 200 plus years of existence We've not covered everything that could possibly happen. (laughs) We're just not doing anything about it. Yeah. We're just letting it happen.
1: We have a lot of laws. (laughs) There are a lot of laws, yeah. Um, And I do, well, and I also wonder, would this, would we see this same sort of reaction and response from, uh, you know, magistrates and from the DA's office if we weren't dealing with COVID, right? Because that's usually the reason why uh, they cite they let everybody go, because they don't want to pack everybody into a, a jail and spread COVID, right?
0: Well, that's a possibility, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm sorry, but if you do something, this is not gonna be the only thing that's gonna attract attention. We had the flus that have come through. If we have a really bad outbreak of swine flu this year, are we gonna stop prosecuting people just because there's a fear they're gonna pass it around? If you don't wanna be in jail and you don't wanna risk catching this from someone who's been put in there with you, don't do the crime.
1: I'm talking with Mark Pless. He is a candidate for House District 118. More with him in a minute. First, when I launched the podcast uh, back in February, the owner of Mattress Man Stores, Chuck, immediately reached out to me, and he said, "How do I support the show?" And uh, that's the kind of guy he is. It's the kind of, it's the way he does business. When there are local charities that need mattresses, like uh, you know, veterans' quarters and such. He's there to help them, too. This is the kind of guy he is. It's all about community. He says we've got to support our neighbors. So now you know the kind of guy Chuck is. Uh, these are the kinds of people that he hires as well. He actually goes out and tries to recruit veterans. He wants veterans working for him. Okay? So I can't recommend highly enough mattress man stores is the place to go to get your next mattress christy and i went there long before i i even knew who chuck was we bought our uh, we bought our mattress from mattress man and right now you can get great deals on great mattresses at mattress man they have their triple zero deal going on right now zero percent down zero percent interest for two years and uh n- no payments for 90 days uh, how do you beat that i don't know i don't think you can Also, free box springs with the purchase of Biltmore mattresses and free adjustable bases with the purchase of select mattresses as well. They've got a 10-inch queen gel memory foam mattress for just $3.99. You want to talk about a comfortable bed? Holy smokes, that's it. Go to MattressManStores.com or walk into any of their four local stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. They have five-star local delivery service plus the 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at MattressMan. Find the local store nearest you at MattressManStores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So let me ask you about school funding. Um, Do you think that it is high enough in this state? Do you think teacher pay is high enough in this state?
0: I think the entire school system, not just teachers, they need to be supported. A lot of focus is put on teachers because they're unionized and they're able to actually get their voices heard. But you have custodians, you have lunch people, you have the general folks that are out here trying to keep these kids in school and trying to help them through the day, and they're overlooked. Um, teachers, they make a decent amount of money after they've been at it a long time. But it's so varying between counties. And I'm going to use my county as an example. Mm -hmm. We lose teachers to Buncombe County all the time because Buncombe County can pay them more money than we can afford to supplement them because of our tax base. That's not fair. I think... This, the county shouldn't be responsible for supplements. I think all of the teachers are doing the same job. It doesn't matter which area of the state they're in. They all need to be making the same amount of money. So you set their classroom limits. Let's follow the classroom limits and pay everybody what they're worth.
1: So, okay, so this is interesting. So, right now, the formula that the state uses is right, they fund operations and. The counties fund capital, although that's now kind of changed as well, but that was always the traditional role. And then counties could throw a little supplemental funding on top of the operations if they wanted to add more money for teacher pay and the like. And so, yeah, so Buncombe County has a higher supplemental than uh, than Haywood County or Madison County. Um, But isn't that because they have a higher cost of living in those areas than in the rural, more rural areas?
0: We live in the mountains of Western North Carolina, and I have traveled most of Western North Carolina my entire life. I'm 53 years old. It's not really any cheaper to live in any of the areas because property values are up and the groceries cost the same. It doesn't matter if I'm in Andrews and I stop at Ingalls or if I stop at Ingalls and Ashton. Mm. Those cost the same. Um, We're just trying to, to use that, I believe, as a way to say this area is worth more. And they need to make more when in reality they don't. Everybody needs to be on the same page. If I take the law enforcement for the state level, an SBI agent or a state trooper in Raleigh makes the same thing as an SBI or a state trooper in Murphy if they've been there the same amount of years. And it needs to be this way with the teacher system. That'll take a lot of things out of the equation, but the state will be funding them adequately.
1: Right. So that then leads to the next question, which is how do you Uh, fund that? because Are you saying that the counties then don't fund any supplemental, that all of that goes to the state for responsibility?
0: I think the state should be the ones executing that. Now, I believe the counties, what we do here in our county, we can afford to help in the classroom. Some of the other counties that don't even pay a supplement could not maybe afford that. But as far as the salaries are concerned, I think every bit of that should come from the state and everybody should be on the same level.
1: So then, um, what, uh, how do you stop counties from adding supplemental funds? to go above what the state provides. So right now, you know, the the average teacher pay in North Carolina, including supplements, and it is an average across all counties, but it's about, uh, I think it's now $53,000 a year. Uh, And people always point out that's for 10 months worth of work. And uh, it is, you know, you get full benefits and everything. You get a retirement pension, which is uh, a lot more than folks in the private sector get. Uh, And so, Uh, It's also higher than the median household income. So there are a lot of people who would argue that that's a pretty good salary for, again, the average across the state. Um, Now, if you say, all right, we're going to have the state pay all of that. Everybody gets 58K. Then um, what's to stop Buncombe County or Mecklenburg County or Wake County? What's to stop them from throwing some more money on top of that so they can try to recruit, quote, the best teachers?
0: (laughs) The legislature would have to get involved, and I don't know that there would necessarily need to be a law that says they can't do that, but there would need to be some discussions with the Department of Public Instruction and make it very well understood that if we're going to foot the bill for this and we're going to pay everybody the same, however they control the local districts, they need to make it very clear that there are no supplements. The state's going to pick up the tab for the teachers 100%, all of the employees 100%, you're going to stay out of it. Mm
1: -hmm. What, uh, what would then be the, the average teacher pay that you would feel comfortable with at a state level because right now this, that 53,000 includes the supplemental levels. So what would be a good number?
0: You know I think um, whenever you sit down and you evaluate it, uh, the cost of living now in this state and the amount of effort these teachers put in there, 53 is not unreasonable. I think they should have an opportunity to go higher based off of their tenure. Uh, I would set a cap higher than that. But if they are just a classroom teacher and they are not coaching, they're not applying themselves in other areas, I think 53 is a good starting point.
1: um and uh, the starting teachers no experience right coming right out of college they they start at 35k state that's the Mm -hmm. state uh minimum and then they get a thousand dollars a year every year for the first 15 years to get them to 50 grand by their 15th year uh so those are steps are is that an adequate funding method in your mind
0: i don't think so i think we're going to lose in the long run um there is something to be said for experience but I think everyone should be on the same level and then they pay them. If you wanna stay with the thousand dollars for every year that they remain a teacher, I'm okay with that. If they put in 30 years, then they would have been able to work their salary up to what, $83,000? During that time, what's the cost of living gonna be in 30 years? Mm -hmm. They're gonna stay along the same lines, but they would be guaranteed their entire career that they would be receiving a raise as opposed to now and I've heard some of the teachers talk about this, where they get paid, and then all of a sudden, there's no more incentive for them to do anything else, because it's done at that point. There is no other level.
1: Well, then, that doesn't that kind of, I don't know, isn't that kind of a, a counter-argument? If, I mean, that makes it sound like they're just doing it for the pay.
0: No, they're not doing it for the pay, but as they go through the years, everybody pours into their job and... As they're pouring into these new students that they get each year and they dump their emotional toll into it and they educate these young people, they need to be compensated every year. You're going to have some teachers that are going to be in it for the pay, just like you have people that are in any other kind of industry Mm -hmm. that are in it for the pay. You can't stop that. But we also can't hinder the other folks and stop them at 15 years just because of a few people. I think it needs to continue on as long as they're a teacher
1: so but doesn't it sounds like then that you're making an argument for merit based pay, but that's not what we have we we're, we're, we have a we have a system that basically just pays based on the number of years in, and uh, I will tell you like my my position on this has always been I want to pay the great teachers six figures, but I refuse to pay the bad ones the same amount of money, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're arguing is that as long as they as long as they are you know not getting fired, then they get pay raises. And I don't I mean, I think that's a hard sell to a lot of folks in the private sector.
0: It probably would be a hard sell to some people, but it comes back to you have to hold the school systems accountable. If you have bad teachers, they don't need to be teaching. They need to be doing their job. They need to be evaluating them and they don't get raises based off of how they behave. They get raises based off of they are continuing to do the job. But if you're not doing your job, the local school system knows you're not and it's time for you to go.
1: Um, I'm talking with uh, the Republican candidate for House District 118, Mark Pless. He is also currently a uh, Haywood County commissioner, which, by the way, Haywood County, that's where Old Grouch's military surplus is in downtown Clyde. And, you know, the cold weather is coming and he has got all of the gear and clothing that you're going to need at Old Grouch's military surplus. You were talking thermal underwear, military grade thermal underwear in all sizes, wool sweaters, field jackets. Coming, uh, They come in solid green and in camo, wool and fleece toboggans, wool socks, Gore-Tex jackets. they got everything you need for winter, uh, whether you work outside or whether you're just a hunter or something. You spend a lot of time out there. This is heavy-duty, warm clothing, and you'll get it for a lot cheaper than you'll find at most outdoor stores. Also, make your emergency kit for your car. Do it now so you're going to be prepared. He's got all of the ingredients, so to speak. Uh, You know, warm clothing and blankets like that space blanket looks like a big, you know, tinfoil or uh, aluminum foil blanket. He's got one of those also rations, emergency rations, and you can leave these in the car so they're not going to spoil in the heat or the cold or anything. Bags or ammo cans, you can store it all in. By the way, ammo cans, what a great idea for storage, whether it's your garage or your shed. Uh, Just a really cool. He's got all different sizes for this stuff. You can actually use it uh, as a toolbox. Uh, Because some of these ammo boxes are really big. You can use it as toolboxes for your truck or trailer. Uh, It's safe. It's dry storage. You can put fishing gear in it, uh, rifles and stuff, all sorts of uh, uses for these cans. Also, backpacks as well, military-grade backpacks. They're going to last a lot longer than the cheapies that come from the big box store. So go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus, downtown Clyde, for more than three decades across the street, from the anti-aircraft gun, the shop is open Monday through Saturday and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. That's oldgrouch.com. I'm talking with Mark Pless, candidate for House District 118. And how difficult is it to get rid of teachers? You, As a county commissioner, you interact with the, the school district. So h- how hard is that to get rid of teachers? And sh- is there something at the state level that could be done to to make that easier to to release bad teachers out of the districts
0: you know when it comes down to it if, if i go to work down here and i'm going to use the paper mill here in my town if i go to work down here in the paper mill and i'm not doing my job adequately uh, or i'm creating such turmoil down there that i'm ineffective in being able to do my job they have no problem whatsoever in sending you to go find employment elsewhere. I think the school systems should be able to do that. I don't know that there's anything that restricts them and tells them that once a teacher has been there for, example, 10 years, that I can not they can't be gotten rid of. They have to stay regardless. I don't know that that exists. I don't know that it doesn't exist. We don't deal with the school board. We don't deal with the um, hiring and the firing process at mm-hmm. the county level. Uh, we have very little interaction because it's personnel issues. So until... I hear or understand that there is a way to just hold on to teachers, whether they're performing or whether they're not performing. I would have to say they're treated just like everybody else in the private sector. Do your job. If there's issues there, the administration's going to have to step up and do something about it. Because the education of the kids is the most important. If they're ineffective, I don't care if they've been there 15 years. If they're ineffective and their students are not achieving what they're supposed to be achieving, somebody else needs to be doing it. What do you
1: uh, think of the opportunity scholarships, school vouchers, uh, whatever you want to call it? What do you think of the program?
0: I think parents should be able to decide. Um, There are a few. There's a charter school here in Haywood County, and there's two Christian schools here in Haywood County. Um, I believe that the parents should be able to choose whether they want to be in the public system or if they have reasons to send them to the Christian school or to the charter school. I believe That supplement should go with the student. Homeschooling is a little bit different. Homeschooling is not free. You do have to pay for those. That would be something that I believe parents should be able to choose, but it shouldn't be making money by keeping your kids at home. Mm -hmm. Just like with any other program that the state sponsors, and I'm going to use some forms of welfare, if you can game the system so to speak and make money off of it some people are happy and the kids fail in this situation if that happens so there would have to be some close guard on it but i don't see anything wrong with vouchers for them to be able to go to other schools to open up other opportunities
1: well speaking of keeping kids at home uh broadband access during these COVID times <laughs> as uh, yeah it has really highlighted it. i will tell you my wife and i we've been looking for uh, looking to buy a house And we were looking in your neck of the woods. We went uh, around the areas. And one of the the problems that I had was I couldn't find areas, first off, that we could afford, but also that had reliable, you know, high-speed Internet that I need to do my job. Um, So uh, is this a priority for you as a state lawmaker?
0: It's very much a priority, especially for Haywood County. We are a Tier 3 county, which means most every grant that comes by, we are ineligible for we are in the top 20 as far as successful counties in the state. However, we can't afford to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't have the budget to be able to, to, to go out here and pay companies incentives to string Internet. The other problem with it is is with technos- technology changing the way that it's changing, not a lot of providers want to really jump in the game. So you're limited on the numbers of people. We need the state to provide grants to all counties, not just to the tier one and the tier two counties. Fortunately, Madison and Yancey are able to apply for those, and Madison has been putting some in. I have spoken to the people over there, mm. and they're doing a fabulous job getting internet ran and getting grants to do that. It's just not fair. We all have the same need, and we can't afford it in Haywood County. With all the things that we have going on, we can't. Yeah. Why? Is, so uh,
1: why is it in a why is it in a top tier? Why is Haywood in a top tier?
0: It goes. A lot of that goes off of the household income to uh. the people that are living here. We make a little bit better. Now, we have a, roughly 60,000 people in our county. Buncombe County has about 260 or 280,000. We're in the same tier as them. We're in the same tier as Raleigh. Um, huh. There's not a population differentiation between it. Now, granted, we have all of these people here that are making comparable pay but we just don't have that many people you don't have as many right people (laughs) in there but there's no no bearing on that it just means that the the county commissioners here over the last few decades have done a fabulous job helping haywood county to prosper we've had some business people that have invested in haywood county they've done a wonderful job but now it's killing us now it's Mm. hurting us
1: Yeah, and I wonder also, you mentioned the technology improvements. I remember reading uh, years ago, actually, that uh, we, uh, uh, yeah, that uh, Africa actually has higher. Uh, cell penetration than parts of America because they never ran the wired lines. They Because they were so far behind, this sort of like leapfrogging in technology occurs when you're so far behind, but then the new technology comes out and you're able to basically jump ahead and put the new stuff in because you don't have to build out or tear down the older infrastructure. And it seems like that's kind of where we are. I mean, right, because that 5G stuff seems like that's right around the corner.
0: It seems to be. Uh, I hear there are going to be restrictions on the population size just because of the sheer cost mm. of what it's going to take to put that in. So Haywood County may or may not fit into that. Uh, the numbers I'm giving is 75,000 plus. So if that ends up being true as of right now until we see what the census numbers are, we don't qualify. So it may be several years before we reach a point to where a provider is willing to put 5G in Haywood County. Hmm. Now, my other two counties are a lot smaller than that. They may never see 5G. So we can't wait on that to happen. We've got to come up with something that's going to help these people. I'm thrilled that Madison has been able to do what they're doing. Yancey, I feel certain that they're going to be headed in that direction too. This part here, it's just going to have to, something's going to have to change, and we're going to have to have somebody that's willing to invest in Haywood County.
1: Uh, let me shift gears a little bit with you. Um, there was a law that was passed several years ago, and, um, It's about the Confederate monuments and statues and who basically has authority to take them down. And the state uh, essentially took that authority away from a lot of the local jurisdictions. Um, Is that something it's been, I guess, now, what, four or five years? Is that something that you would be interested in or supportive of looking at again to return that power back to the local jurisdictions? Or are you comfortable with it staying at the state level?
0: (sighs) You know, if, if I knew that all of the jurisdictions were going to look at this thing and look at it in a historical perspective, I might be inclined to do that. Currently under the way it's going, I think a lot of the decisions to remove monuments are done for political purposes. I don't think they're done because there's really that big of an issue or that there is a problem with it. We cannot erase our history. Things that have happened here in Haywood County, be it on a national level, or on a local level we can't stop what happened but we don't need to hide it either there's going to be somebody coming along behind us that may make that very same mistake so until the local people get to the point to where they're not going to be pushed into a decision because of political motivation then it has to stay with the state
1: so but do the statues are the statues actual warnings against making those mistakes or are they celebrations of some of the people that engaged in some of those mistakes.
0: I don't think it's a celebration. I took my son, uh, my oldest son to Gettysburg twice. Uh, We have been to Vicksburg. He wanted to see as many civil war monuments as he could. And it wasn't because we were going to honor those people that that did that. and, And the things that the civil war has come to stand for, it was learning about what happened during that era so that we know what it's about a lot of those monuments they may commemorate a person but if you look at anything that you go see and you do the research and you find out about who that person is there's vast amounts of knowledge to be learned so that we don't go down this same path
1: um what, what how long ago did you go to Gettysburg
0: he was uh, the first time we went. He was 11, and he wanted to go back for his senior year. So we took him back when he was 18, when he was graduating high school. And he is 26 now, so that would have been eight years ago.
1: Okay, I, I just uh, the reason I ask is, um, you know, the local author of the book, One Second After, Doctor Bill Forstgen. he was telling me several years ago how he went to Gettysburg and. He said he got there and everything just kind of looked a little off. It just looked different for some reason, and he had taken so many you know trips of of his students up to there that uh, he knew all of the tour guides or docents or whatever. And so he uh, he said something seems off here, and the guy told him there are no students. And you look around, and he's like, and it clicked. He said I, he realized. Like like schools aren't bringing their kids here. They're not bringing students to the Gettysburg anymore, um, and I guess it's because, like you said earlier, politics. They 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 they're just maybe too afraid to even touch the subject, so they just don't go. And so it used to be there would be buses just you know filling up all the parking lots, and now it, it's not. It's just it's kind of sad.
0: It is sad, and and the sad part is is we don't need to censor our history with our children um too many times they're going to need examples and those examples are going to come from other people what it did for my son was it ingrained in him even more so that he wanted to serve his country he is a marine reservist his younger brother decided he was going to become a marine reservist They proudly wear the uniform. They proudly stand for everything that is about the United States of America. And they would die today for that. But part of that, I can't help but believe, was ingrained in them by getting to see the sacrifices and hear the stories of what people gave for our freedoms.
1: My guest is Mark Pless. He is running for House District 118. Uh, This is the seat formerly held by Michelle Presnell. Uh, You know how important your website is to your business, by the way? especially nowadays, right? Uh, You need it to turn up in search engine results and you want it to look professional. You want it to be user-friendly, not just for the people who come to the site so they can navigate around easily, but you want it also to be user-friendly for you. Because if you got to go in and make some updates to your website on the fly, right? You don't want to be worried about how to do that and not remembering stuff and coding. You've not learned to code. So while you do know your business... You probably don't know a lot about website design and maintenance and security, but you're in luck. My friend Schaefer Smith does. Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can actually solve a lot of websites' problems. Professional services, corporate and small business and entrepreneurs. Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics and photos. He can build out an online store for you. Uh, He can uh, maximize your search engine results. This is optimization, so you show up in search engine results. Website maintenance, website security. He even does logos. The Pete Callender Show logo, he did that for me. Go to SchaeferSmith.com. Get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Redistricting. If you win and i think chances are pretty good you're going to win i'm just saying that cuz i just i think that i think the district may lean a little republican for you um so uh, if if you're in the general assembly and regardless of who takes power i guess if the democrats are able to flip the house uh, we shall see but this is a census year you mentioned the census you're going to be in charge of the redistricting process the the house is going to have to take this up and the senate will have to take it up and so uh what what is your view on how that process should work cuz i know uh, there's other, there's this effort underway, right, to have a, quote, independent redistricting process, set up a commission or something and take it out of the hands of the state lawmakers and give it to some nonpartisan people. Uh, so, you know, lawmakers aren't picking their voters. The voters are picking their lawmakers. So what is your view on the redistricting process? Once you get there, what would you support and what would you not support as far as a process?
0: You know, when it comes down to it, the the people have chosen their representatives, and as part of the Constitution, we know that this is what the representatives are supposed to do every year, whenever there's a census taken. When you vote for your representative, that needs to be something that's in the back of your mind, because they're going to have to do this. Now, if they choose me to be the representative, it is my duty to make sure that I am fair about it. Now, I can't answer for the other 120 people that are going to be down there. I can't answer for anyone except for myself. But if we take this job seriously, it's going to fairly represent the people of of North Carolina. It's not going to be about politics. The sad part is, win or lose, Democrat or Republican, we all have this nature in us to try to flip things the way that, that we want them to be so that we do have the advantage. We just have to be the greater person about it And not allow that to influence us. Now, choosing a committee to make these decisions, who chooses the committee? If I go in and say I do go to Raleigh and the majority holds, as far as Republicans are concerned, Mm -hmm. and they did lose the Senate, who's going to make that committee choice? Because these people are going to be one side or the other. Do you pick four Republicans and four Democrats and put them in there and let them redraw it? Or do you pick five so there's not a tie either way we go i think it rests with the representatives and they have to be honorable
1: so yeah uh, because another word you're looking for for these commission members are representatives right i mean they they too would be representatives
0: (laughs) they would be they would be deciding but the people would have had no choice in who they were it would have been friends of friends
1: yeah um Convention of States, are you uh, familiar with the Convention of States project? Do you have any thoughts? Would that be something that you would support signing on to, calling for a Convention of States uh, at a national level?
0: I'm interested in learning about that. I had an invite to a uh, virtual meeting, and I did not get to attend because I've got other commitments. But I would like to hear what the goal is. I've had a few people contact me about it, and I've not really commented on it. I try not to comment on anything that I really don't fully understand, whether it's the popular view or the unpopular view is not really important to me, but I really don't want to weigh in on something that I really don't know.
1: No, that's fair. Um, anything else you want to add before uh, we wrap up here? I think I, I had one more question I wanted to ask you about Medicaid expansion. Um, but I think I remember reading something similar along the lines that you wanted to learn more about that issue as well. So if there's anything else that you'd like to, address that you think is important or interesting for folks to know before we let you run this is your uh, your opportunity
0: well i have been addressing and, and you know part of what i do uh, i didn't know about this council of state until the other day but what i do is study and i have been studying medicaid expansion so okay. i do have opinions on that and i do have a position um on that did you have a specific question yeah so just, just generally
1: yeah so generally are you supportive of expanding it Well, i guess we'll just start there
0: Okay. I am not, as a general rule, supportive of expanding Medicaid um, for several reasons. One of the big reasons is, personally, I think we help the people in Western North Carolina better by getting them employer-sponsored health care. Because not only are we giving them health care, we're going to give them good-paying jobs. We need the state of North Carolina to help us with incentives to get industries in here that's the only way that people are going to have options and the state of north carolina is going to get stronger the more industries we bring in here
1: all right so no to expansion of medicaid how then do you respond to the arguments that would come from the left which would be that uh you know you're depriving people of health care
0: Well, you know, the the excuses or the reasons, I guess would be a better way of putting it, that I'm given that we're going to do this, is we need to expand this because it's going to increase hospitals. It's going to give them money because they're having to treat people and they're not being compensated for it. It's going to increase the number of jobs in the healthcare industry. And from states that have had that happen, that's really not becoming a reality. Uh, I did go in and research, and according to the numbers I have found, it didn't change anything. Hospital growth in non-expansion states was 1.55, and hospital growth in expansion states was 1.36%. So actually, the non-expansion states grew faster. They say it's going to create jobs, but yet in Arkansas, the first year, they lost 732 jobs. In Kentucky, they lost 1,200 in Iowa, they lost a 1,000, so the, the thing that is supposed to stimulate the economy and make everybody think we're going to be doing great didn't happen. Hmm. The other side to that is there are 93,000 roughly people in North Carolina that even though they're employed right now, they would qualify under the expansion plan. What if they quit and go home? Now they don't have to work because they qualify for Medicaid. What if they don't try any longer? This is more people that we're going to have to take care of. And that's human nature for people to do that. Um, I'm concerned about what it's going to do to the state as far as breaking the state up. Uh, The numbers I've been given and looked through, uh, we're going to get a lot of money from the state. Uh, I believe Moses Cone did a uh, survey and they said it was going to bring in $1.7 billion. That's great. The problem is, is we have to pay 10% of those payments the state of north carolina can't afford to pay 10 percent of those payments i don't want anybody left out i want everybody to have health care and i get it there are areas that there's not any opportunities right now But that's where we have to make the opportunities my dad grew up went to work in a factory up here in waynesville until it closed and that factory should have never closed something should have been done to keep it open I think we miss the mark whenever we try to take care of people instead of allowing people to take care of themselves.
1: What was the factory?
0: Uh, Dayco. There's a Walmart there now. Uh, Walmart generates a lot of sales tax for, for Haywood County. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, that put a lot of kids through college. It yeah. also provided a retirement. It, re- it provided death benefits. It provided a lot of things for a lot of people. But when the factory closed up, Walmart was the next choice, mm-hmm. I think being proactive, and when, when companies are having trouble, you have to keep the lines of communications open, and if the state of North Carolina needs to help a company alone, that's fine. That's better than finding work for 2,000 people.
1: Is that is that the proper role of government because whatever the, and I don't know what that company did or what they made, but there's a competitor, I would assume, for that company, and that competitor, if they're winning in that competition, they're not getting help from... A government right so isn't that kind of a thumb on the scale to to kind of give one company one private sector actor uh, benefit over another
0: this was in the automobile industry they mm-hmm. made radiator hoses fan belts things like that they moved locations to a place where they could make more money outside the country yeah you know if we'd have stepped in ahead of time there's a good probability that they would not have left but you've got it you got to be proactive and get in there now Right now, President Trump's trying to get these countries or these companies to come back out of these foreign countries and get them back here. Okay, if we get them all back, he wins. We go another four years, he gets most of them back. If we don't continue that trend and keep them here, and sometimes that's going to be giving them a loan. Sometimes that's going to be helping them through a tough economic time, but it's more important to keep the people working than it is to just allow somebody to walk away and go to another country where they think they can make more money. We've got to be proactive and stay in there and keep the jobs here so that we can survive. This pandemic is one of the greatest examples of what happens when we depend on everyone else. Look at the grocery stores. Look at all of the people that are going out when this thing first happened and buying up toilet paper and all these items that they wanted to stockpile. It was weeks and months before these stores got back to normal because they're not made here in the United States. We had to ship them in. The other countries got hit before we did.
1: Right. I did not. I would never have considered toilet paper to be part of our you know like a national stockpile uh commodity that we needed to have some some uh, uh in a warehouse like the petroleum reserve uh, I, I that was that was news to me I know they call it mountain money uh it, depending on if you're out <laughs> out camping but i've never i never would have considered toilet paper to be in that category and my wife still has a hard time finding the um disinfecting wipes or whatever you know like not just the spray but the wipe itself she has a hard time finding those things still to this day um so yeah i think i think there's a lot of we're we as a society have learned a lot about ourselves and i think our like what employers are good employers and which ones are not uh landlords which ones are good and which ones are not during all of this covid uh crisis i think it has been a clarifying moment in a lot of different ways
0: it does, and the longer that North Carolina stays closed, the harder it's going to be for us to do things. I understand that this virus is very real, and I understand that it's attacking people, and you can't really see it coming. The The problem with it is is we need a safe way to navigate through this thing, and just by locking the doors to everything doesn't help us. We've got to have something that people can earn a living they can get out. They can do their job. We've lost countless small businesses. There's. Whenever this is all over with, I would love to see the count of how many people went out of business because of these decisions that were made in the last six months. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be horrible. I think it's our fault through the governorship that this has happened. We should have been in there trying to figure out a solution for this thing rather than just locking everybody down. Um, I don't know that, that this... Uh, is any different than things that have happened in the past we just reacted very poorly i think to the situation in haywood county we closed everything down gave the hospitals and everyone time to get prepared and then we opened it back up and then about that time the governor came in and just shut everything down Mm -hmm. Uh, we can't make this virus go away whether it's here in 2021 25 or 2030 We can't make it go away. There's not a magic spray that's going to make it disappear. We've got to learn how to exist through it, and I don't think we've done that for the last six months. We've been scared sitting in our houses.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I've already kept you for a very long period of time here, but I appreciate uh, you spending this time with me. Uh, Mark Pless, he is the candidate for House District 118. This covers Madison and Yancey and uh, most of Haywood County. He's also Haywood County Commissioner. Thanks so much for your time. Great to talk with you. Nice to meet you.
0: Thank you. Have a great day. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: And speaking of opportunities, this is a great opportunity. If you have a house and you are thinking about selling, are you aware of all the people that are trying to get out of cities for some reason? I'm not really sure. Yes, they are fleeing and they would very much like to buy some property or a house out here in Western North Carolina in the mountains. So call Rowena Patton 333 If you're thinking about selling your house, okay? And she can help you with the process. Even if you're just kind of curious to know whether this is going to be a right decision for you, give her a call. 333-4043. She and her all-star powerhouse team, they outsell 99% of the realtors in the state, okay? Uh, They're fantastic. Buying or selling, they're the only agents I would call. In fact, they- They are the only agents, Christy and I called. Uh, We're buying a house, and we're in the process of that right now, and we called her, and it's the only agent I've ever endorsed, the only agent I would call, and so I recommend her highly to you. She's also the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville which is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. This goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retired. She's given back somewhere in the neighborhood of just short of $800,000 to local folks. Okay, so keep more of your own money if you're in any of those professions. Call Rowena Patton and the All-Star Powerhouse Team, 333-4483. That's 333-4483 or mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a positive review. I appreciate that. And consider becoming a patron of the program. You'll get cool stuff. You get exclusive content. Links are at thepetecalendarshow.com and in the description of the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. We'll talk to you later. And don't break anything while I'm gone.